Before we begin, recently I read an article about student enrollment in traditional colleges is way down, and online course enrollment is through the roof. With podcasts like this, you not only get free developmental information, you also get access to resources you wouldn't have otherwise. But if you really want to take your film game to the next level, you should consider taking my online masterclass. It's 42 online video modules for more than 50 hours of self-study complete with a full suite of resources. It's also live coaching and instruction for me and other industry professionals. People say, but Durante, why are you doing this? And I tell them, it's just my way of giving back. So, if you're serious about wanting to level up your film game, register for the free informational webinar today at theexpertprocess.com. Again, if you want to write a script, make a movie, sell a movie, or just learn how to get into the industry, this webinar is for you. I want to keep the groups fairly small. So sign up today because space is truly limited. Go to theexpertprocess.com and register today. Now on to the show. Do you know six in 10 businesses will fail within the first five years? First five years. Or 43% of Americans need a side hustle just to make ends meet? Just to make ends meet. Or that it takes 10,000 hours to master any subject. Any subject. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast, where we cut the time to mastery in half with our seasoned pros. And now, from Atlanta, Georgia, broadcasting worldwide. Worldwide. Here's your resident expert, Durante Smith. Hello, again, EIT Nation, or all of you experts in training. Welcome to the Expert Process Podcast. I'm your host, Durante Smith, and it's my job to interview some of the most hardworking, highly successful professionals on the planet. The show follows a 12-week online masterclass at theexpertprocess.com, where you'll learn from start to finish what it takes to make it in your industry. The program is chock full of professional advice, resources, and even high-level contacts to help you get to the next level in half the time. The podcast is your introduction, the masterclass is the blueprint, and I'm your guide. Now, buckle up and get ready for the ride. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Airbnb. Now, if you're like me, you like to travel in comfort, style, but also economically when you can. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not keen on staying in someone else's home. That is, until I discovered Airbnb. My friend. My very first stay was about six years ago in Santa Monica, California. Ironically, during the American film market. I stayed in a beautiful home just 1.26 miles from the beach. And then there was the weekend getaway to Knoxville, which was incredible. Our hosts were top-notch. They made breakfast for us. They made... Um, she actually made lunch, which was, I mean, insane. It was a music festival going on, so there was just great live music. Uh, we had dinner on the uh, river there at one of the local establishments, barbecue joints, and it was just a great experience. Then there was uh, Daytona that we got away for, again, for another short trip. It was about four hours down and back. And uh, Daytona was just, it was incredible. Great food, great weather. The beach was just beautiful. And it was the great time of year to go. So one other thing, locally here in Atlanta, we have a ton of just awesome Airbnbs. And then there's the, the treehouse here, which I hope to go to very soon and take my daughter to. That's here in Atlanta that you can stay in. 
and it stays booked out, I think, six months out in advance. So that's one you definitely want to put on your list. Now, I'm a believer in crowd sharing and the disruptor industry, and I love, love, love me some Airbnb. So do yourself a favor and try it out. You can use my promo code to save $55 off your first adventure. Just go to bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb. Again, that's bit.ly bit.ly forward slash expert process Airbnb for your getaway or staycation today. Hey guys and gals, I wanted to take a moment to first off say thank you to each and every one of you who has taken the opportunity to download the podcast, to share it, to like it, to give it rankings, to give it reviews, to leave comments. And I mean, the love has been just absolutely phenomenal. So I wanted to do that because I believe it's so important to let people know that you appreciate them for their efforts. And I know it's nothing short of just my sheer will in wanting the best for you and to bring the best to you and your response to that. And I appreciate that. So I'm going to share with you a little about my time and my experience with the American film market. A few of you know, or actually several of you know, that I went out to the AFM um, and that was back in 2013 and 2014. I went two years back to back. But a lot of you don't know the, I guess you say the depth of the experience that I had there. So I'll give you a little backstory and then I'll share with you what I'm calling a tale of two AFMs. My experiences there could not be more dramatic. One year was just absolutely incredible. The following year was dismal. So I wanted to share with you what that is, what that looked like, the successes that we had, the failures that we had, and the very, very tough learning lessons that we had. So hang on. We're going to get into that right after this break. And now, part two of this incredible story. This guy offers me $40,000, and frankly, it was just, I mean, it just really wasn't worth my time. <laughs> and so I was like, uh, yeah, mm, yeah, that's not going to work, man. But you know what? Nice to meet you. Thanks so much. The guy stopped me. He says, uh, wait, you're passing on $40,000? I said, uh, yeah, man. I was like, you know, no offense to you, but $40,000 really just isn't worth my time. I was like, I've got a lot better offers than to entertain than that. So again, I'm not trying to be rude. He stops and he says, huh? So you don't know me, right? I said, no. So you don't know anything about my company? No. He goes, oh, well, we represent between 10 and 12 markets across this certain part of Asia. So $40,000, that's $40,000 per market. I was like, oh, <laughs> so, so the $40,000 times 10 is $400,000. Needless to say, that grabbed my attention and my attitude quickly changed. <laughs> so I said, okay. I said, well, you know what? Um, yeah, let me get your card, man. And uh, he kind of thought it was kind of funny, but we, uh, yeah. So I you know, got his information and went on about my business. I went to sit down and there's this guy, this guy sitting beside me. He's from, uh, I think Uruguay or Peru or something like that. Really nice guy. I saw him flipping through some sketches. These were what you call storyboards. 
If you don't know what storyboards are, storyboards are just basically sketches, like visuals that you'll use to accompany a pitch um, that basically kind of walk you through the action of a film. That's really what a storyboard is. This gentleman sitting there, older guy, you know, nice guy, though. We strike up a conversation. He's looking at the storyboards and he asked me, he's like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And I was like, I really can't give you an, a, an opinion about it because, number one, I'm looking at it upside down. He kind of laughed. And number two, I was like, you're showing me one page out of how many? So what is this for? And he's like, oh, man, this is for a pitch meeting. I've got a meeting with this lady. So inside of the Lowe's, there's a restaurant on the backside. It's a really nice restaurant. A lot of times, a lot of these guys will have meetings there. Basically, the entire hotel is just a big meeting spot, at least for the duration of the American film market. So the guy was nervous. He was sweating bullets, all this stuff. He asked me if I'd take a look at you know what he had. I was like, yeah, sure. No problem, man. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, dude, your work is really good, man. This is great. I mean, he's a really skilled uh, artist and not even just that. Cause I mean, you can be an artist and not be a good storyboard artist. So he was just a really, really good storyboard artist. Right. You know, they helped boost the guy's confidence. And then I told him, you know, I gave him some pointers basically just from a sales perspective, because I have a sales background as well. So from a sales perspective, I kind of gave him some pointers and tips and things to say. He was so, I mean, just so, so moved by what I had to share with him. You know, he got up and he had to go to his meeting and he's like, man, thank you so much. If there's anything I can ever do for you, you know, this, that, another, he gave me his card, gave me his information. And I was like, yeah, no problem, man. So about that time, just as he was leaving, this other guy sits down directly across from me. This is another Asian guy, young Asian guy. So he had these really nice shoes on. I mean, I'm a shoe connoisseur, I guess you would say. I love nice men's dress shoes. That's kind of my thing, right? I had on some pretty slick loafers myself. (laughs) The guy sitting across from me, he's not paying any attention to me. He's wearing one of the, I guess, the blue badges or something. He's He's a high roller, right? Sharp cat, though. Dude's dressed. I mean, you know, he's dressed to the nines. He's got like a designer suit on. I mean, the dude's suave. I look at the guy and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm that guy, right? That's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm thinking, I'm that guy. So if there's anyone that can break that, you know, the Asian market. And I again, remember, I just met this other Asian gentleman, you know, young fella, uh, maybe about an hour earlier who had the $400,000 offer, right? So I'm thinking, I'm like, if there's anybody that can break this guy, it's me, right? So I reached out to the guy, I said, hey, excuse me. And the guy, he's really deep off into his phone. I was like, excuse me. And he looks up, hey man, those are some nice shoes. <laughs> he laughed <laughs> and put his head down and went about his business. So I took offense. I was like, you can at least acknowledge me, man. Come on. So I was like, uh, excuse me. He looks up, he goes, yeah. I was like, hey, man, I mean, I don't I'm not I wasn't trying to be rude. You know, I said like, I was really paying you sincerely paying you a compliment. I was like, as you can see, I said like, I have some pretty nice shoes on myself, man. So I was like, I'm just saying nice shoes. And he looks and he goes, oh, OK, thanks. I said, now I see you have on a blue badge. So I'll try to interrupt real quick before he broke away. So I was like, I see you have on a blue badge. So that, that means you're a buyer, right? Yeah, you could say that. I said, okay. I was like, you see my badge. So I'm a seller. So I have something to sell. Would you be interested in hearing what I have to offer? He goes, uh, you know what? I've got a little time to kill. Sure. I said, okay. So I gave my elevator pitch. And before I was done with my elevator pitch, the Peruvian guy comes back and this guy is so excited. He comes back and interrupts me just as I'm finishing my elevator pitch. I mean, literally I could not have like scripted this any better. Right. 
The guy comes up. He's all excited. He's like, uh, 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 excuse me, Mr. Smith. Hey, um, such and such. You know, I know the lady's name, but I'm not going to tell you guys. But she's like, such and such wants to meet you. I was like, excuse me? You're talking about the lady you're meeting with? He's like, yeah, she's in the room. You know, she's at the table right now. Do you have a moment? Yeah. I said, but you, dude, this is your meeting, man. I'm okay, man. Trust me. I'm okay. That's your thing, dude. Don't mm-mm. do you, you know, focus on your meeting, man. Don't, don't bring me into your meeting and mess up your thing, dude. He goes, no, 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 no. We've already talked about my thing, man. And she, you know, she's okay with it. She's interested, whatever. She's okay with it, man. I mean, like, you know, you helped me out so much. And I was telling her about you. And he's like, and then, you know, she's like, ask him to come in. Now, mind you, the Asian gentleman, young guy, is sitting across and he's witnessing this entire thing. Now he's 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 blown away. He's like, okay, now who is this guy? Right. So I get up on my crutch, hobble up. I was like, hey, you know what, man? I was like, I'm sorry, but as you can see, I'm in demand. So I said, how about this? How about I leave you with my card and let's try to follow up? He goes, uh, okay. I was like, do you have a card? He's like, yeah, I, I I've got a card. And about that time, this lady comes up, this young lady comes up from behind him. He's like, give him my card. So she gives me the guy's card. He's like, tell you what, call me this evening and let's set something up for 11 a.m. tomorrow. It's like, okay, 11 a.m. tomorrow it is. So I go into the restaurant and I sat down, the guy introduced me, I sat down and meet the lady. And so then she starts asking me, inquiring about, you know, what it is that I have and so on and so forth. Now, again, I'm feeling a little bit ballsy. And I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling myself. <laughs> and so I'm that guy, right? That's everybody says I'm that guy. And kind of went, to, I told you guys, it kind of went to my head, but I took an educated risk because my thought was she's not going to interrupt her meeting with this guy for someone that she has no knowledge about at all. Right. So I said, okay, uh, we're talking. And I stop her. I mean, probably midway into her, I don't want to say her initial opening, but maybe after the first couple of sentences or so, I said, let me ask you something. I was like, uh, you've heard about the film, haven't you? Or you heard about me either or this is not by chance, right? She starts laughing. She's uh, maybe. And so the guy that introduced me, he's sitting there. He's like, huh? She's like, yeah, I've heard a little something. Yeah, there, there's some buzz about town about you or something like that. I said, well, what have you heard? She's like, I've heard that you have a pretty hot property and I'm just curious as to what are you doing with it? I said, well, that's interesting because I'm getting a lot, as you said, I'm getting a lot of buzz. And the, the term that keeps getting tossed around is I'm that guy. And she starts laughing. She says, yeah, that's what I've heard. That was the exact verbiage that I heard is you're that guy. So, okay, we're here. We're talking. She says, what is it that you want? I said, well, I want a deal. I mean, <laughs> that's it. She says, well, I know such and such. And the guy she mentioned was the guy that had um, this creator of the Blair Witch Project, right? And she's like, yeah, he's having a yacht party tonight. And I can approach him and explain to him, you know, about what you have and this and that. And he's got, you know, it's tying with Lionsgate. And she's like, but that's only if you're interested. I was like, Lionsgate? Yeah. yeah. Yes, I'm interested. Yes, that would be awesome. She's like, okay, well, let's do this. She's like, let me get your information. Here's my information. She's like, let's follow up in a day or two. You know, let's that another, right? Okay, that was great. Now, and I honestly, I didn't know if she's legit or she's serious or not, but I quickly found out that she was both legitimate and serious. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. A quick reminder. 
If you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing, open a new window on your phone or computer, go to theexpertprocess.com and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. So this is what happens the next day. So I go to meet the guy, the young fella, the Asian guy I mentioned um, the next day, right? We were supposed to meet at 11 a.m. And I wait to probably about 1145 and I gave up on the guy. I was like, yeah, he's not going to show. He wasn't serious in the first place, whatever. So as I'm about to leave, this waiter comes over and hands me a, slips me a piece of paper and tells me that the guy couldn't show up and asked me to come back and meet him at, I think it was like three o'clock or two o'clock. No, two o'clock. And I was like, huh? Okay. So I did just that. So, you know, did whatever and came back at two o'clock and there he was. Now, mind you, the restaurant closes. I want to say it closes at one uh, thirty, maybe two. And so we were like the only ones there. It was just me and him in this big restaurant. And I think he ordered a salad or something. I ordered a salad and, you know, we're talking. He starts telling me who he is, right? This guy is the son of a major, when I say major, I mean major, they're not even a production company. They're, this is the way he explained it to me. They're the equivalent of mm, Comcast. They're the equivalent of Comcast in Asia, right? So they, I think, I guess they're a television production company, but they also own Samsung. So these guys are massive. Let's just put it that way. His father is the owner or the president or CEO of the company. And he and his sister were basically in line to inherit the father's wealth or the company or whatnot. We're talking and the guy's just like, yeah, he's just really cool guy, man. After you get past all of the, you know, the exterior, but he was a really, really cool guy. And so he's like, you know what? He goes, I really like what you have, but may I be honest with you? That genre of film doesn't really sell well in Asia. Do you have anything else? I was like, oh yeah, man. You know, I've got the kid's book. Uh, we want to make that into an animation, you know, this, that, and other. And he's like, what's the name of your book? So I was like, it's the Fantastical Adventures of Sleepy Steve. I'm all excited. And I'm showing him the uh, Amazon page, you know, where we can buy the book and, you know, showing him all the you know, the graphics and showing the the spec animation that we did on it and all this other stuff. And, you know, and then I'm showing him like all these book sales and, and, uh, you know, the book signings that I've done, like literally all over the country. And he was just really getting excited, right? He's like, this is what I'm talking about. This is the kind of thing that we really like this. We're really big into, you know, family and the horror stuff. Yeah, we're not really there yet. It's kind of moving in that direction, but we don't really specialize in that. But I will say I like the story, the story behind the horror film. He goes, so let me tell you what I'm willing to do. How would a million dollars sound? Would you take that? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He goes, well, to be honest with you, you know, really, that's not much money for me. I'm, I'm guessing for you, that might be life changing. I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. He's like, well, let's do this. When do you think you can have your film done? Because I told him it wasn't done. He's like, when do you think you can have your film done? Now, this is the entire point of this episode is to share with you the mistakes that you can make that will cost you literally everything that you're trying to do in this particular case. My mistake was I gave them a date I could not deliver on. And why is that? It's because we had a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> it was like that movie, a series of unfortunate events. It was terrible. So in a nutshell, just to let you know, basically what we ended up doing, I gave them a date. I think it was like January the 14th or January 21st or something like that. And I could not deliver on the date, no matter how hard I tried, because I mean, 
so the thing is in film, you either have the money. Oh, let's back up. Let's say independent feature film. You either have the money or you have the time. It's either or, right? So I had spent the money. The money was spent on the production and the post-production and all this other stuff. And I didn't go back to my investors that asked for more money because I really couldn't do that. They uh, made their offer up front asking me how much I needed. And then, you know, I committed to the amount that they gave me. And it was, I mean, I was budgeted enough for, to get it done. Again, in hindsight, you learn more. And these are the things I'm going to share with you in the course because you need to know this stuff. This is all very pertinent. But nonetheless, I committed to a date and we couldn't deliver on the date because something happened with the guy that was doing the, what you call coloring. Coloring the film is basically where they do a color grade. They go in, they change different colors. They manipulate the film stock, you know, how it looks, all this other stuff, right? So film is um, very... Yeah, specialized, I guess you could say. It's very targeted in respect to the look. The look can be very stylized um, with what you see. Most of the time, you're not going to be able to pay attention to it with the exception of some things like, I'll give you a good example. Resident Evil is a really, really good example where you can see that the footage, the film stock or the what you would say is the imagery or the image right of the movie looks very bluish. They call that cold. So it looks very cold. And uh, that's because the color's been manipulated, right? I mean, honestly, you're not ever going to put out a professional film that's not being color graded. So anyway, the young man that was doing that had a major catastrophe happen. Um, My visual effects guys, they got busy. And the only way I could get them to rush the project is to pay them more money. Either that or I had to give them more time. I didn't have any more money, so I had to give them more time. Right. This was my first go around. It's my first time at bat. So I did not have the luxury of experience behind me to know that once you commit to a delivery date, if you don't meet that date, your name is mud. Mud. M-U-D. And that's exactly what happened. So I um, I committed to this delivery date, but not only with him, with every single film buyer that I came into contact with when I uh, did the follow up, it was all about, well, when can you deliver your film? I mean, they're in the business of buying movies. They're in the business of buying film. And my intent is to sell a film. So that was what the conversation was about. And I gave them a date that I was told that we could meet. In fact, I gave myself an additional week as a buffer, thinking that I had enough time when in reality we didn't. Okay, now that's out of the way. So I'll leave the facility. Here's the other thing. Right after, I mean, literally right after that, I bump into one of my friends. She's out there and she was... I think she was selling or marketing one of her films or something like that. And she was also my casting director on the film. And she also became a a producer on the film as well. Nonetheless, I'm not going to say her name, but um, so I bump into her and I was telling her like what had just happened. She was like, Durante, that is amazing. I can't believe that. I'm so happy for you and this and that. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll be honest. I, I, I didn't know how to take it. I was like, well, Yeah, 
the deal's not done yet, you know, but this is, yeah, it's definitely a good thing. You know, she's like, well, just take it in stride and just know that these are your blessings that are coming to fruition and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, okay. Okay. I mean, like I was really just kind of trying to absorb it because, oh, the other thing was the guy was like, we want to do something with your book, with your book property and the animation and all this other stuff. Right. I was like, wow. So then he hands me a um, pamphlet and the pamphlet is what he leaves behind with the studios that he talks to. So he starts explaining to me the reason why he was in town was actually to meet with the head of uh, Warner Brothers. And, you know, they have these, uh, I guess, these buying exchanges and stuff that they do. And so then he's telling me, he's like, yeah, I mean, he's like, you know, honestly, if we would like to set up a hub over here. We'd like to set up a studio. We've been looking in L.A., but he's like, I'm hearing that Atlanta might be a good place. I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. He's like, well, you know, how about we stay in touch and let's see, maybe there could be an opportunity. We could do some sort of partnership with you there in Atlanta. Let's see how this goes. Let's start with this first thing, this film. He's like, and just get your film to us. You know, we'll cut your check. Let's get all that taken care of. Then we'll go from there. I was like, Hey, that's, that works. That's awesome. Right. So I'm leaving the restaurant. I'm starving because I hadn't had anything. Well, the salad, but the salad was like this little bitty foo-foo salad that they give you. And so I'm starving. And, uh, my head's just spinning, right? I walk outside of the Lowe's. They have this big old rotating door. I walk through the door. I walk to the street. I'm walking down the street and there's this place I love to go to. It's called Cha-Cha's Chicken. So if you ever been, <laughs> if you ever been, Cha-Cha's Chicken is the bomb. It's, I mean, like really good chicken. Again, it's, I mean, that's probably not everybody's thing, but most people, most people that go there, you know, they it like they have a line out the door. OK, so if you do go, just understand you, you probably have to wait in line. Um, so anyway, it was good timing because I think it was about four o'clock. I'm on my way to Cha-Cha's Chicken and I'm walking like just kind of taking it all in, you know, just like looking at the sun and or I should say the sunny sky and, you know, just really taking it all in like, huh, like I really can't believe this is happening until this happens. So this is the only name I'm going to use that you will know. I say this for a reason, because the one guy referred me to this lady, right? The guy um, I was telling you about that wanted to make the movie in Savannah. So walking down the street, all of a sudden, this is what I hear. Hey, hey, you, hey, hey, you. And I look around. I'm like, uh, okay, is somebody yelling at me. Who are they yelling at? I see, I see this little blonde lady and a uh, little blonde hair lady. And she's, like pointing at me, right? Like trying to run and try to catch up with me. I'm like, uh, do I know this lady? And she's like, hey, yeah, yeah, you, you, you. Oh, stop, stop. She gets up to me and she's like all out of breath. She's like, <sighs> like, oh my God, I've been looking all over for you. Like, uh, um, you know, I, I, and she's like, just kind of like flustered. Uh, okay. Hey, just take a breath. You know? Okay. So like, do I know you? She's like, oh yeah, such and such. Uh, told me that you would be here and I need to come catch up with you. I need to find you because you guys are going to be making a movie in Georgia and this, this, and this, and he's going to be making your film. And, oh yeah. Okay. He mentioned that. I was like, but we got cut off. And the funniest thing is we never got back to that. So I didn't know really, you know, if it was ever going to come back around or not, but I was like, okay, cool. Now I'm looking at the lady. I'm like, man, she looks so familiar. Right. Oh, yeah. She's like, well, he'd mentioned that I need to come down and find you because he really wants me to be in your film. And, you know, I want to earn my part. I don't want you just give me a part. I, like, I really want to earn the part. And only if you think there's a part in it for me and this and that. I'm looking at the lady. I'm like, why does she look so familiar? I'm like, you look familiar. 
And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even introduce myself. Okay, so my name is Kira and I'm in, before she even got to what she started to say, I interrupted. I was like, Kira, no freaking way. I didn't use freaking, but I was like, no freaking way. Kira Sedgwick? She starts laughing. She's like, yeah, you know who I am? I'm like, (laughs) oh my God. Wow. I was like, okay, so I'm talking to Kira Sedgwick. You're the closer. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know my work then? I was like, who doesn't know your work? Of course. The closer, man. I was like, you have like Emmys and stuff like that. Yeah, I've got a few. But I mean, like, that's not it. She's like, I'm just telling you, like, he told me about your project. I really want to be a part of this thing. And I was like, okay, this is absolutely crazy. You know, I was like, okay, so let me wrap my mind around this one. You want to be in my film because your friend is a producer and he referred you to me. She's like, yeah, that's how it works out here. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm seeing that. And she's like, besides that, he says, you're that guy. I was like, oh my God. I was like, wow. Okay, cool. She's like, do you think you might have a role for me? Look, let me tell you something. You're here, Cedric. You can have a role any day of the week. And she's cracking up. She's like, no, I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying like, you know, do you think there's something that you, you know, is there a possibility there could be a role for me? You know, like legitimate. I was like, oh, I'm the writer. Yes, I'll write a role for you. It's not a big deal. Trust me. That's not what I'm saying. I was like, no, no, no. Trust me. Trust me. I would love to have you in my film. You know, I said, did he mention that I'm, I'm directing? Well, that was the other thing. He did mention that. Would you feel comfortable with me? Oh, okay. So the other thing, this is back when 12 Years a Slave had just come out. Like, I mean, like literally just came out and they were screening it that night. Now, remember I told you the AFM, the American Film Market has screenings, but they also run in tandem with the AFI, which is the American Film Institute. They both have events going on at the same time. As I understand, they're not really connected with each other, although they're literally right across town from each other. I think it was the AFI that was screening the 12 Years a Slave, which was Brad Pitt and Edifor. And remember, he won an Oscar for actually. That was the year they had just released the film. And so they were having a screening that night. So she says, how would you like to join me on this for the screening? And I'm like, when is it? Yeah, it's tonight. It's like at six o'clock and this is like four o'clock, right? It's like, it's like at six o'clock and see, I'm going to leave here and I'm, I'm going to go spruce up and you know, I'm going to be on my way there now. So I might be a little bit late, but I'm going to be on my way there now. She's like, what do you think? Would you like to go? Then we could talk more about it. I can introduce you to some of my friends. And I was like, oh my God, this is just so insane. I was like, okay. I really, really, really don't mean to be rude. And this is going to sound absolutely insane, but I have a meeting at 530 at Shutters. So Shutters is like this, another really high end hotel. It's right around the corner from the Lowe's and they have a lot of meetings there. I was like, I have this meeting at Shutters and it's with an investor, it's with a banker actually. And I can't really blow the guy off. Would you mind if I take a rain check? She starts laughing. Do you ask me for a rain check? I'm like, yeah, would that be okay? She's like, okay, so what about tomorrow? I pulled my phone up and I was like, uh, and I had this really crappy phone. This is before I bought my iPhone. It's like a really crappy phone or maybe it's the iPhone four, but it was crappy. Whatever it was, it was crappy. She's, <laughs> she says, she said, what about tomorrow? I said, well, um, Hmm. I said, I could do it in the morning, but like it would have to be early, like nine o'clock. I said, well, I could meet you at Starbucks. And she just laughed. She's like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't do Starbucks. I don't really, I, I can't really go out in the public like that. Oh yeah, of course not. What am I thinking? Especially not during the AFM. I was like, yeah, what am I thinking? Right. She was, well, I'll tell you what she was like, well, how about this? 
how about we send down a car for you and you come up the hill and you have you have brunch with me and Kevin. Now, Kevin is Kevin Bacon. That's her husband, right? This is bananas. Now, okay, this is the most, I don't know, it's all crazy, but this is probably the craziest part. So I'm like, I can't even take a lunch, a brunch with them because at this point, I think this is maybe the day before I'm about to leave. And I had meetings packed, just back to back to back to back to back, right? Now, again, remember I told you I had all these business cards and all this other stuff. So at this point, I'm trying to flush out the money. I'm like, hey, look, you know, let's close these freaking deals. Let's get the commitments, whatever it takes. You know, again, I'm new. So I'm just like, let's get the money. And meeting her was great, but I, I want to get to the money, right? So I was like, yeah, uh, again, I know this is going to sound crazy coming from a newbie, but I've got meetings scheduled like literally all day tomorrow. Like, I mean, just back to back. I couldn't break away if I wanted to, but can I get your, your information, get your number or something? And maybe I can get in contact with you and we can figure something out. She's like, yeah, sure. So she pulls out this brand new slick iPhone and she starts fumbling with it. She's like, I don't even know how to use this thing. She hands it to me. She's like, here, can you put your number on my phone? Mind you, like I said, I had an old crappy piece of phone. And I, at the time, I don't think I, I have the iPhone now, but at the time, I don't think I had the iPhone. In fact, I know I didn't have the iPhone. It was some cheap, chunky clunky phone. And so, <laughs> so I was like, yeah, so I'm following with their phone, trying to figure the stupid thing out. And she's got the, you know, the, the touch fingerprint recognizing and all this other stuff. And I'm like, uh, okay, let me try my best to figure this out. So I said, you know what I'm gonna do? I said, how about this? I will call myself that way I'll have your number and then I'll be able to stay in contact with you. I'll shoot you a text. How about that? She's like, yeah, that works. So I call myself. As soon as the freaking phone starts to ring, the phone goes dead, right? I'm hoping and praying to myself. I'm like, oh, geez, please let me have gotten that number before my phone died. Okay. Then I said, you know what I'll do? I'll shoot myself a text. So I go to get into her text messages. I go to shoot myself a text and I take a picture of myself. I think, hey, this should work. I should have sent this information (laughs) appropriately. The problem is I'm dyslexic. So it generally happens when there's a bit of pressure on me. I'm probably going to goof up on my numbers. And I think I goofed up on my numbers because I never got the text that I sent to my doggone self. That's number one. Number two, the phone died before it actually got a chance to get the number on the screen. Like I said, it was a crappy piece of phone. So I'm thinking I've got this lady's information. She's expecting me to give her a ring before I fly out. I think I fly out not that next day, but the following morning. And she's like, you know, do what you can. I understand. You know, so she's, you know, she was just so gracious, so nice. Fast forward. So the next day was one of the meetings. The well, one of the meetings I had was with the lady I told you about with Lionsgate and all that. Now, mind you, she's not with Lionsgate. She um, actually offered her actually executive producer credit for making the arrangement for the Lionsgate deal. Right. So she came back. Lionsgate offers me this ridiculous amount of money. And was what's called sight unseen, right? So I asked her, I was like, well, what do you think? She's let me tell you what I know. And doing this as long as I've been doing it, a bird in the hand often beats two in a bush. But in your defense, you've got a hot property. You are what everyone right now is labeling as that guy. My guess is you have probably a pretty significant number of offers to entertain that are on the table. I was like, yeah, we did the total on them and we're totaling like over $4 million. 
I said, now granted, that's, you know, if everything came through, but yeah. I said, so what would you do? Well, I would probably go back with the counter and see what they say. And then you just have to make a decision. She's like, in my honest opinion, it really depends on your level of patience. If you have the patience to wait it out, then, you know, probably like 18 months, then you have a much, much bigger payday than you would from these guys. She's like, because I understand they're not going to buy something from you if they know they can't at least make three or four times their money back, right? If they're offering you a million, five, million, six, they know they're going to make six, seven, eight, $10 million at the box office, and not to mention all the money they're going to make and all the ancillary. So weigh your options. But she goes, if you have the patience, I would tell you those offers are very real. I've seen it. So those are very real. But you just know you got to do your due diligence. You got to have to have the patience. And the most important thing, do not fumble on your delivery date. Whatever date you tell these people, stick to it. I was like, okay, we got it covered. She comes back, Lionsgate, you know, they offered, well, my pitch was for a two film deal. And well, actually it's that deal plus a, what they call um, a negative pickup, which is basically another film. They came back and they said, okay. They'll entertain it, but now it's not sight unseen. Now they want to see the property, right? So the next question was, what's the delivery date? I said, well, the delivery date is January the 21st. I bumped it like by a week. I was like, January 21st. And she's like, okay, well, that's good because once you come to these markets, they don't give you that much time to get your film into them. So she's like, that's good. Kid you not, man. It's just, again, a series of unfortunate events. As I already told you guys, we couldn't get it done. We blew our dates. I go to reach out to her. She went ghost. I couldn't get in contact with her for like, I mean, well, first off, we didn't get the film done until March. That's the number one thing. We couldn't get it done until March. We, I tried. I poked, prodded, plead, begged. I did everything I could do. And like, again, I'm not knocking these guys because they all had legitimate reasons as to why we could not get it finished. But again, I mean, in hindsight, as the director of the film, it's always going to be my error. But in hindsight, it was even more of my error because... Had I known what I know now, I would have went back to my investors, did a really, really bang up job explaining what had happened um, with the market and just asked for more money. Then most likely they would have given it to me. But just, you know, again, being young and inexperienced and all that good stuff, you know, you make mistakes. And that was a big one. It was, you know, it was unfortunate, but it was it was, it was a big one. Um, So the lady, I tried getting in contact with her. Turns out she had a heart attack, man. She was carrying so much weight um, with her responsibility within the organization where she worked that, um, and she was doing a lot of stuff. I mean, she was just doing a lot of big, big stuff. And yes, she had a heart attack and she had removed herself from the industry for some time. She wanted to take some time off. And so she responded to me, I don't know, a couple of months later Ironically, it was around the time that we actually finished the film and, um, you know, I'm explaining to her what happened and she was just like, well, you know, I, I did warn you and she was nice. She was polite about it, but she's like, I warned you, you know, she's like, so I would just tell you, try to keep your relationships warm with these people. And whenever you have your next film, reach out to them and, you know, try to start setting things up in advance. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean? My next film? She's like, well, that one's done. They're not going to entertain that. What's the response you've been getting? I was like, <laughs> basically what you just said. They're like, oh, okay, well, you know, let us know when you got your next movie. I mean, you know, it, it's again, it was, it's, it's a tough, tough, tough learning lesson. 
You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. I want to share something with you guys. Most of you probably don't know I'm a single parent of a beautiful seven-year-old little girl. I won't go into details about really any of that because it's not relevant. But as a single parent, a single dad with a vision to mold his daughter's outlook, I sat her down and we discussed how she could build her own brand, develop her own TV shows, as really it's a new day. She can do what she wants to do. So we just released our first few pieces of her apparel brand, Madison Lauren, and we're launching her YouTube channel next week. You do realize you can play YouTube through your television set, through your smart TV app, Roku, or really any other set-top device now, right? So in an effort to support my seven-year-old aspiring model, aspiring filmmaker, aspiring chef, and aspiring climate activist, I ask you to follow her at Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or visit her website for great gift ideas at Thrifty Lil Diva. That's T-H-R-I-F-T-Y-L-I-L-D-I-V-A dot me. So again, that's Madison Lauren Apparel and Accessories on Facebook or Thrifty Lil Diva. That's T-H-R-I-F-T-Y-L-I-L-D-I-V-A dot me. ThriftyLilDiva.me. Okay, Madison, what's your motto? We love you just the way you are. Uh, <laughs> they grow up so fast. Oh, daddy. <laughs> now back to the show. Now, you wouldn't believe my experience for the second year based on my experience of the first year. I would tell you my experience for the first year is not par for the course, right? That's not usual or typical. In fact, most people, you know, they would tell you they go out there and have probably just the opposite experience. And my second year out there, although here's the the trick, the trick is the film was done. So it wasn't like the first show went out there the first year. It wasn't done. Um, This go around, the film was done. I had experience under my belt, so I knew what to expect I knew different buyers and I mean, I knew a slew of buyers, frankly. And I went into it with a set of expectations that I didn't have the first time. The first time I had literally no expectations. The second time I had very high expectations because I knew my abilities. I I have a lot of confidence in my abilities and talents. You know, again, I I had, um, okay, again, I was that guy. So thinking that I could build upon the reputation or the love, let's say love for lack of better words, building up on the love that I had gotten the last time. I just assumed or I hoped or I believed that my experience would be similar, which could not be farther from the truth. So I get out there and I reach out to Many of the buyers that I had met, in fact, I reached out to all of the buyers that I'd met before, and invariably, I got the same answer every time, which was basically, unless I had a new film, they weren't interested. You know, I did manage to squeeze out maybe three or four meetings, but yeah, I mean, by and large, if you've not been able to deliver on your commitment 
or your promise. It's like a broken promise, man. And really, that's how they see it. Again, it's business, so it's not a personal thing, you know, but it's easy to take it personally, but it's really not personal. It's just business. And that's the other thing you'll hear. That's that is a term uh, that they will use. It's just business, you know. So that said, I get out there and I'm trying to sell and I'm trying to market this film. I'm trying to sell this film and nobody will touch it. Nobody will touch it because they felt that, again, it, it was a missed window. It was a missed window of opportunity, right? Again, I did get a few meetings, thank goodness. And one of the guys I met, I can say his name because he is actually in an episode of the podcast. So his name is Michael Jack Scholl. Michael has a distribution company. It's called Aristocal Entertainment. And he also has a sales arm of the distribution company. So he will often operate as a sales agent in respect to properties that he picks up as well as distributor. Right. So I was able to negotiate a deal with Michael to take the film to the cons film market. And the film actually showed and played or was exhibited at the con film market in 2015 got a lot of positive buzz and there were you know um, buyers that were interested but again this is another learning lesson i had a distributor that we signed a contract with here in atlanta and they did not have experience in horror film now they do other types of film but they had not done anything in horror film and so what happened is i was savvy in the deal that I set up with them. So that it wasn't a long-term deal. It was um, basically I had a clause in there. It was a performance clause. So if they weren't within a certain amount of time, then uh, I got my rights back. But here's what happens when you sign a contract with any distributor, right? Other distributors won't touch the film because it's been what they call released to the world or what they call the worldwide rights. When you sign this deal, then in essence, you're committing your film to that distributor. And you better hope that distributor can deliver on, you know, on getting the film sold into markets. Again, I'm not knocking the distributor that I signed with because they were very generous in giving me that opportunity. But the problem was they didn't have any experience in horror film. They really didn't have relations in horror film. And so the irony is we parted ways amicably. They were, you know, nice guys. I know them personally now, but when we parted ways, they actually referred me to two major distributors. They were, you know, international distributors that specialize in horror film. The guy was like, man, I like your film. He's like, but we can't touch it. I was like, well, why not? He says, well, because your rights have already been exposed, right? So he's like, uh, or she's the executed, your rights have already been executed. He's like, whenever someone else takes it out to the world, then essentially, lack of better words, it basically taints your film. In other words, others are not going to want to touch it um, simply because that company has already taken it out. They've already exposed it and they obviously have exposed it in a different way than the um, interested party, Right. So these are all the things that you learn, all the mistakes that you learn, all of the headaches that you learn, all of the, you know, the experience that you gain and that you gather in doing this and doing it over time. Right. So my experience with the second American film market was that 
I was able to secure an opportunity to get the film exploited at the con film market, which is a very big deal. I'm not going to deny that most filmmakers don't get that. I was fortunate, but still I missed mega, mega, mega opportunity because we weren't able to get the film completed in time. So essentially all I'm telling you guys is the second uh, American film market it was more, frankly, it was more just networking than it was anything else because I didn't have any new films, any new properties that I was trying to sell. Um, something else that I learned is a lot of people will come out for a particular year. They may not come back the next year. The American film market is a big market, but it's not really the biggest market. You look at the bigger markets are actually the con film market, which is also the con film festival. They run concurrently. Um, but then you have the... The European film market, which runs concurrently with the Berlin Film Festival, right? That's in February. And I think I've mentioned that if you haven't heard the first one through three episodes of the podcast, you should go back and listen to those. And to those guys, they really get into it and break those things down. But the con film markets, the European film market are both larger markets and probably more probably more targeted markets than the American film market. So what happens is people will go, I should say people meaning buyers, they'll go to the American film market, but a lot of them don't necessarily go consistently. They may go like once every couple of years or something like that. Some do. I'm not saying they don't. Some do. But um, what I've noticed, I've come to learn is that a lot will put more, you know, more focus on the international, the bigger markets. And so what happened is a lot of the buyers that I had met the previous year didn't return. Now, if I went to the, you know, the EFM or the con market, I would probably saw them, but a lot of them did just, honestly, they did not return. So let's say of the probably 40 business cards that I got, maybe, maybe 20 of them returned half, if not, maybe not even that, quite frankly. And then of the ones that, as I said, of the ones that returned, I couldn't get a meeting schedule with them because I did not have new property. So again, it was that particular AFM was about meeting new contacts, making new relationships and really um, forging, I think, new friendships, quite frankly, because there are people that I met out there at that particular AFM that now I've been friends with for, you know, five or six years that are just, you know, we're really, really good friends. And I've been back to Los Angeles several times since then. Yeah. And these are people that they're in my corner. I can count on and, and I'm in their corner. They come to Atlanta and we hang out and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was good. It was good in the sense I made some really, really great friendships. But again, from the standpoint of business, it wasn't um, by any means as exciting, as electric, or as successful as the the prior AFM. You're listening to the Expert Process Podcast. We'll be back in just a moment after we thank our sponsors. A quick reminder, if you haven't signed up for the free webinar yet, pause what you're doing, open a new window on your phone or computer, go to theexpertprocess.com, and join now. You can thank me later. Now, back to the show. So that's my story. That's a tale of two AFMs that was uh, year 2013 and 2014. And the biggest, the biggest irony is 
Prosper. So my film is called Prosper and you guys can go and check it out on Amazon uh, and Amazon Prime. You can check out you can check out the fan page at Prosper the movie that's on Facebook. So if you you know search Prosper the movie, actually I think it's Facebook.com forward slash Prosper the movie. You can check out the trailer at I think it's on the fan page, but you can also check it out at Solaris Filmworks on YouTube. So you go to youtube.com forward slash Solaris S O L A R I S Filmworks F I L M W E R K S and it'll pop up and you'll see there's yeah, maybe three or four different trailers, versions of the trailer. But anyway, I'm just telling you so you guys can check it out. But the point is, though, the biggest irony behind the whole thing is <laughs> I said this to Dove, Dove Simmons, in, in uh, my very first podcast with him. The biggest irony is Prosper was really Get Out, which is, uh, you know, it was a hit film before it came out, meaning that. There was a a black lead lead in the film, you know, principal character. There were other you know minorities in the film. The film was very uh, Hitchcockian. <laughs> it was you know it was kind of based on Hitchcock's strategy and structure of film, where he incorporated comedy, which that's Jordan Peele, that's his name, which is what Jordan did with Get Out, right? And I think that was really the appeal of the film. Honestly, I'm just being dead honest with you because I released Prosper about two years before Get Out and look at the overwhelming success that Get Out had, right? Here's the kicker. Get Out was made for like, I want to say like a million two, something like that. Then Jason Blumhouse came on board. Then, you know, he got attached and I think he picked the film up for like $4 million. Then they turn around and they sold it to, I think Lionsgate or one of them, Sony, something like that for like 10 million. And then thing goes on to gross, like 250 million or something crazy. So my point is the similarities between these two films. Now, granted, they're not the same, but I'm just saying the similarities between them is so amazing. You would think I really had an opportunity that we lost. We missed it. I mean, you know, so I said all that to say that the American film market, if you haven't been, my advice is you really should go, especially if, if you have a film to sell, if you're wanting to establish contacts and relationships and all those good things. It really is good for that. I mean, I'm not knocking it. In fact, the second AFM, it was still great. I mean, I still had a great time and all good stuff. Just by comparison, though, it was just, you know, it's not the same. And then the gentleman that that I met the year before that introduced me to all those people to be honest with you, I was embarrassed to call the guy back. <laughs> I did. I did not. I, I'm a very confident guy, man. But I mean, geez, when you blow an opportunity, it's, you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I just felt my credibility was shaken and my confidence, frankly, was shaken. And yeah, I just couldn't do it. You know, I've not reached out to him since then. But like I said, he's you know still a, a very supportive person, but he understood. And he just kind of laughed. He's like, well, hey, we all go through that. And let me know when you got your next film and you know, all this other stuff. And so, uh, yeah. And then the investors, and those guys, they, you know, I learned to that's an in the moment scenario. If you can't take advantage of it in that moment, 
expect that it's going to evaporate. So again, these are all learning lessons that you learn. So on that note, I just want to say thank you guys for listening. It's late in the morning here. This is the best time for me to record my podcast because my daughter's in bed and the neighbors are asleep. There are no dogs barking cars roaming up and down the street so uh it's just the best time so you hear my voice kind of crackling a bit and uh yeah it's uh i love this man i love sharing this information with you guys you asked for it i hope it wasn't too long-winded hopefully i uh kept you guys entertained uh but yeah if, you know if you want any more of this stories and you know stuff like that Feel free to let me know. Um, Again, this was by request, guys. So don't get upset with me, but it was by request. And so, hey, that's it. That's the story. Hey, I hope you guys got something out of this two-part episode. But I'll be honest. It's not always easy trying to be transparent. Like, I'm sure I'll get a lot of browbeating and I'll catch some flack over my decisions. But I shared this story so that you can not only learn from my mistakes, but you can also be inspired to make your movie too. And let me say this, the masterclass was supposed to be up and running by now, but I ran into unforeseen technical issues that pushed it back by a few weeks. Just know it's still coming. And if you register for the webinar, you'll be notified when it goes online. Thank you to each and every one of you who've already signed up, who've emailed me, and who've expressed your enthusiasm for the masterclass. Now, to register for the free webinar, which tells you all about it, just open a new window or tab on your phone or your laptop or your computer and go to theexpertprocess.com. Again, go to theexpertprocess.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I'm asking that if you would, please rank it, leave a review, subscribe, and share it with all of your friends. That's how we continue to get noticed and we continue to build and grow our tribe. Again, thanks so much. And until next time, love, peace, and fish grease. And I'm out. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. For only the best show notes, links, classes, and more, go to theexpertprocess.com or follow us on Facebook at The Expert Process or hit us up on Instagram at The Expert Process. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share.